0: Pastor accused of defrauding investors of $3 million via crypto scheme says he got help from, quote, the Lord. I've seen people fall off the road on both sides of this where they either become legalistic buttheads or they just kind of go, well, we love the way he preaches, so I guess it doesn't matter that his kids are in complete rebellion.
1: Hi, I'm Steve. For nearly 30 years, I've been a pastor, a disciple maker, and what I really love doing is helping guys be better followers of Christ and better leaders at home. I'm Mark, a certified
0: financial planner with an MBA and an Ivy League degree who wants to make sure you're making the smartest money decisions possible.
1: And this is Abraham's Wallet. Join us weekly and create a culture in your family of multi-generational prosperity, spiritually, relationally, physically, intellectually, and financially. Run your hone, your dough, like a biblical boss. Here we are, I, I look as normal as ever, same professional looking background wonderful lighting but you everything's different with you where are you well
0: if you're not on youtube i mean you should be because i'm i'm just holding you in my hand right here i'm in i'm in the the offices the you podcast from every week and you're just behind me so
1: yeah did you ever see the kids in the hall the old canadian comedy (laughs) show
0: I remember it. I don't think I was a big watcher, but yeah.
1: There was a guy whose whole deal was I, I crush your head. So you'd put your head Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what you are doing there. Yeah. So
0: we are together. You're in, in
1: Cincinnati. Why why are you in
0: Cincinnati? Just doing some business. I'm doing business here. Wow. I had man. business in Cincinnati and so I'm here to do it.
1: Are you being are you being vague on purpose about your business? I'm
0: planning the finances of some cincinnatians. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to get into the topic today. Oh. I, I've been thinking about this one for a while and it it feels like it's going to take some wisdom to be be helpful and clear without turning what we want to talk about today into a bit of a a bit of a Mark being a, a jerk and trying to slam dunk on some people. So, I'm going to I'm going to let you lead us into the okay. waters. I will say one update because I was I must have mentioned this a week or two ago. I had a little surgical procedure, you're turning and looking at. That's me. right. And I got really good news on that. Everything was mostly fine and there was no none of the scary stuff they were looking for was the case so i'm thankful and i even had people reach out and say they're praying for me that i'm i didn't realize i
1: would told him about it so um, awesome
0: all is well health wise
1: yeah one of the things that it's that your that your problems turn out to not be was throat cancer and you said throat cancer is a bad that's a bad prognosis
0: yeah i mean i don't want to discourage anyone out there that's dealing with throat cancer but uh based on my googling it's like if you have throat cancer enjoy your last two months oh. because it's not gonna they don't do a lot of throat throatectomies like you need your throat
1: okay good good well i'm glad that uh none of that applies to you yeah. and so yeah waiting into this is going to be one of those subjects i have two things to say about the subject itself one is we We wade into waters like this a couple of times a year, where if if you were being strict on us, if you had the ruler and you're gonna slap us on the wrist, this could be one of those subjects where you go, aren't you kind of getting out of your arena here? Aren't you supposed to be telling people how to run their money and then run their families? And, and so I would first of all like to just explain that we think the faithful, responsible running of your family includes watching all of the influences on your family. So that would include cultural influences. You should really care what movies your family is watching and what books they're spending time with. You should really care because those stories matter. They create worldview and you should definitely care who's explicitly trying to have spiritual influence on your family. So I think that one of the, we, we have sort of talked about church a couple of times here. And I think that's within the, the, the realm of what a father should be responsible and on the lookout for is what's our church scene. Cause it really matters. To your family
0: yeah I, I thought that before we dive into the biblical case and the even some of the personal examples I, there was a headline that has been making its rounds on the socials and on the the news sources the past few weeks that I thought would be a fun entree into our topic today and the headline that I'm I'm pulling this from The Associated Press, says, pastor accused of defrauding investors of $3 million via crypto scheme says he got help from, quote, the Lord. Um, and there was this guy in Colorado. His name is Eli Regalado. Hey, Regalado. He, yeah. And he set up a, a crypto exchange and took $1.3 million worth of money that just evaporated. He called it the Kingdom Wealth Exchange. He bought tens of thousands of dollars spent on vacations, jewelry, luxury handbags, Hmm. cosmetic dentistry, home renovations. And Hmm. he used some of the money, it says, to finance the purchase of a Range Rover, which... I thought that was kind of funny that you get $1.3 million, you still only have a down payment for your Range Rover after you bought some jewelry and vacations. <laughs> but We went through an audit of our financial planning firm because, and when we were doing that, that's a normal part of owning a financial planning firm. When we were doing that, they said, well, we see you guys are involved in some sort of Christian ministry work. We're very concerned to know that there's nothing where you're exerting sort of influence to make people do things they shouldn't do or to, to manipulate people with religion. And I live in a state where there's a dominant religious institution, the Mormon church. And it's very common that people use that institution to manipulate people mm-hmm. and get their money. Obviously, it's not limited to the Mormon church. This guy in Colorado was doing it. I grew up in a world where there was some weird church money stuff that happened down in Baptist land, Texas. So it's just a tale as old as the institutional church, at least, that there's, and, and I would say this goes way back before before the time of Christ, we see religious leaders exerting their influence to manipulate people that sit underneath them. And that is a... a condition of humankind since the beginning it seems so i thought it would be interesting as we talk about what to look for before you just assume well there's a cross here there this is a christian thing this person's door says pastor on it so i guess they're going to lead me spiritually and i should take their recommendations whether that has to do with your money whether that has to do with what you're teaching your kids you know, please, please don't take your your crypto b- b- advice from somebody who has set up Jesus coin and tells you that you can trust them.
1: The word says that in the last days, there's going to be an increase of wolves that are going to come into the, the, the sheep's fold and pretend to be sheep. And as alarmist as people might accuse me of being i don't think i'm going to stop sounding this alarm until the day i die that we must be on our watch for people who are going to lead us into bad places and you might really like them and you might have long relationships with them and you really like some of the things that they've taught you over the years so when we look at the question of is your pastor qualified to lead you I'm using that term specifically. I don't mean, does this person have biblical insight or knowledge, it's not what I'm asking. So you might follow somebody, somebody who's recorded messages who span the globe and you've learned things, you feel like you know the Lord more because of the way this person has talked. And yet, the things that are being revealed about their lives would say, based on the passage we're going to look at, that they're not qualified to lead you. That is, again, you can learn things. That's fine. I'm not saying they don't know anything. The, the issue is, can they lead you? So I want to throw in if you're if you're new around here or this is kind of a new subject for you, I feel I have to cover this ground before we get into the juice. Which, which is just the use of the word pastor. It is a very, very common word today. It's been common my whole life. We think of a pastor as a guy who runs a church. And I, I would just like to remind us all, or maybe this is new information to you, the way that we use the word church is not a, is not didn't come from a biblical usage or a biblical setting. We have a new thing that's been created, which is it's this place that you go onto the church property. you do this churching activity on the weekend sunday morning at 11 which martin luther made up and the and the use of pastor we use pastor as he's the guy in charge so oftentimes we can equate that with this is the guy that's kind of in charge of my spiritual life if he's a challenging guy i'm used to having my spiritual life challenged if he's a very comforting kind of fellow very affirming that's what my spiritual life looks like that picture of that office is not described in the Bible. It it does not exist. We've come up with it. I wish we would have used a different word than pastor, but what we're we're trying to say, I think when people started using that word was that the word pastor is a a transliteration of the word that means shepherd, just a shepherd, somebody that takes care of people so that word appears only a couple of times in all of the new testament you might be familiar with a couple of them ephesians 4 says god gave some people to be shepherds pastors and teachers first peter 5 says feed the flock which is under your care the insinuation is that you've got people that you're taking care of that's repeated in acts chapter 20 and i I just want to say that the idea of taking care of the people that are under your care is not written to hey if you're a pastor of the local church if it just so happens that you're reading this letter that i wrote and you're on staff at a charity that gives christian teachings once week it was written to every single believer who would take responsibility for someone else's soul do that would watch that would watch over somebody make sure they're getting fed making sure that their influences on their life are are good and that they're steering clear of bad stuff and the lies that they're believing We talk that out and help them see, no, there's a scriptural answer for that, et cetera. So I can think of a group of people who are definitely charged with taking responsibility for other people's lives. Can can you think of that group of people? It's dads. That is exactly who I'm thinking. Ding, 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 Mark. Good answer. It's dads. We are definitely uh, responsible for watching over other people's spiritual formation. So anything the Bible would say about a pastor definitely applies to you, being a shepherd and somebody who's watching over. So what we're talking about today is the guy that, that stands up front, your family is exposed to his thing regularly, and he gives some oversight to the way your family expresses their Christian life. Depending on what part of the country you're in or what faith tradition, his name might be outside of the marquee, his name might appear on the bulletin they hand you at the door, I don't know. But he calls himself your pastor. But I thought it might be interesting, Mark, if you would share with the people one of the inciting incidents for this discussion at all. And if you'll wait for that phone, to, re- to read it, that'd be great. I think,
0: actually, we have our first live caller. It's Susie from Des Moines. Susie, you're on Abraham's Wallet. So we, we enjoy reading tweets, making tweets. We, we like to make a tweet. Once in a while, somebody even likes a tweet that we make. It's not common, but it happens. And I was doing some of this. I was scrolling around and reading the tweets, and I noticed... Somebody reposted something. Somebody else said that original tweet said, I once asked a missionary how to know if you're a Christian who's making a difference. And his response, are you being attacked? If not, you're too lukewarm to matter. Um, and that's fine, whatever. But this guy who posted that added the comment on his own part that said, my roommate told me about a pastor here in Michigan, whose wife left him to become a lesbian and his daughter left shortly after to try to transition her gender. He's an extremely bold, passionate preacher. It got me thinking that he's over the target and that I'm not. And I thought, what the heck are we thinking if this is what passes for a a pastor who's nailing it, who's to be trusted. And it's taking something that I don't think is untrue, which is that Christ says you should expect friction and opposition if you're going to follow me and we had a back and forth that basically you said dude we have compassion for this man but scripturally he is disqualified if he can't lead his family how the heck is he going to lead the the family of god so i I think that this is a pretty common sentiment i think we see pastors you know Using that term to mean the professionals who do ministry full-time, we see them barbecuing their family all the time, yeah. thinking that they are doing something noble and good by sacrificing the, the peace and well-being of their family because they have a ministry calling. And not only is that a bad idea, and tragic and sad, but it's also disqualifying. They should be fired from right. their nine to five job when that happens. So I, I think we're going to talk today about how do we know who should be a, in this role? And also, how do we not become witch hunters that say, okay, we're going to find the purest best. And if we find out that you had an argument with your your wife or that you you yelled at your kids, you're out of here. Like that's not where we're going either. And I've seen I've seen people fall off the road on both sides of this where yeah. they either become legalistic buttheads or they just kind of go, Well, what we love the way he preaches, so I guess it doesn't matter that his kids are in complete rebellion. And that's what we want to talk about today.
1: So you've seen witch hunts of people who they're pastor just stepped out of line and they just brought the axe down and just ended it for him absolutely <laughs> very recently
0: i'm not going to get into details but i will say if you're in a church that most people can tell okay my church we are either on the the heavy on truth and like we're committed to the to the word and like Truth is the core value. Those churches, I personally love that vibe. It's like I want to be around people who value the word of God above everything. And I know that those churches, one of the things they have to be on their guard against is legalism. So, personally, maybe if you're in a church that's the opposite, where it's like love welcoming compassion community those are the words that we hold up as our values those are all good things that that express the father's heart i think but if that's like your core value then your church community is going to likely not for sure but likely be tempted towards well i know our pastor has has really violated everything we're about to talk about, but we just love him mm-hmm. and we sympathize and we're going to support him. We would never tell him, "I'm sorry, you have to step down." So that's one side. Personally, I don't tend to zoom around those types of churches because I'm a I'm a big fan of like just give it to me straight. I want to I want challenge and all that. So I've I've tended to be around churches that are more like that, and those churches are going to struggle more with legalism. I've seen it where somebody's like, I have my own conception of exactly what this person has to do to satisfy my demands for qualification. Yeah, go way beyond what the Bible says. And so I get to decide. And if you don't agree with me, I'm going to try to to tear your church in half and find 51% of the people who will agree with me. And we're going to try to, you know, harpoon this guy that's, that's serving faithfully and that actually does meet the qualifications. And then in between there, I think, is our sweet spot where we say we value the word, we hold up these qualifications as true and binding, and we don't add our own laws and try to hold people to
1: them. My concern for for our, our Twitter friend is, one, he doesn't know the word of God. He just doesn't know what God's requirements are. And two, he doesn't know what danger he is personally in by sticking around this this person. And I one of the things I just think in general on this subject is that we can have a assumption that look, I'm golden. I mean, I'm fine. I'm I mean, I'm never gonna leave the Lord. My family's good. We're never gonna leave the Lord. And but we just wanna be at the kind of best, most comfortable church that you know, feel that feels like us. It feels like home. We hear that a lot. People describe churches and the scriptures say, you need to be on your guard. If you think that you will never fall because you can definitely fall. And I'm old enough to have my life story littered with people who, with whom I walked very closely and really respected their faith and thought, man, this is a true brother of mine. And then you look back 10 years later and go this guy is nowhere and he has all but abandoned the faith i mean we you see that and you think if you'd have given that guy a pop quiz at some point do you think that you're safe he would have said no i'm doing great and we could track what were the influences in your life it was probably close friends around you that you chose your friends poorly and that you started curating spiritual influences including the books that you read and podcasts you go to where they're just shaving the edges off of God's standards, and I don't want that to happen to anybody listening. So I just thought, let's review so that you're not in the position of falling where others have fallen. So let's read the passage. We're going to read 1 Timothy 3. We've read it on this uh, podcast a couple of times before. And one distinction that we'd like to make, I remember remember I said that the way that we use the word pastor in modern times, there's no equivalent of that scripturally. What there is scripturally is the idea of an elder. So Paul was a church planter and he would establish churches. How did he establish churches? What Paul did was that he went into a town and he would win people to the Lord and disciple them. And then he would identify elders these elders are example families we think the if we pull these families together these guys can hold the line together he would leave a town and he wrote letters saying now if these elders are in place you guys are going to be all right and you're often uh, asking are the way that our church is run and the way that the elders work and the biblical model is that elders are the ones that you defer to in any kind of a spiritual setting. These are the gray beards who have been successful family leaders, and you ask them your questions like, hey, I had this discussion with my wife. Am I being too harsh on her? What? The, let me talk about the way I'm leading my kids. What did you do? That's what an elder's supposed to do. Or yes, to go to him and say, we've been discussing this passage, and we've had a big fight among all the bros about Numbers chapter 10. What can you... What do you think about this? Anything else you would add about elders over there before we read the passage?
0: The only thing I'd say is a lot of churches don't operate the way that we're describing here. They maybe do what you said and hire a pastor. uh, And that's the guy who makes every decision. Yeah. And he might call a board of directors that gives him advice, but at the end of the day, it's on him. Yeah. It's called a pastor led church. Um, i think there's pastor-led churches that are faithfully preaching the gospel out there in the world i don't think it's the biblical model for how the local church is to be organized but the biblical model in my reading of of this passage and a bunch of others is that there's a plurality of elders who meet these qualifications we're going to talk about if you want the guy who teaches on every sunday to be one of those guys great but these qualifications are a lot more important than he's really good at public speaking.
1: Yeah, right. So we're going to assume that the guy that that speaks on Sundays most often, we're assuming that he's an elder. And so we're going to read this, this description of what an elder is supposed to be like. And we will finally, here we are at whatever time, in this episode, we're going to finally get down to, let's talk about whether your guy is qualified or not. Okay? So here it is, First Timothy 3. Whoever aspires to be an overseer, an elder, desires a noble task. That's good. And I, I'll just say again, I have to say this every time I read this passage, I think that every single guy listening should aspire to be an elder someday. This should be what you want. You're aiming your life to to, to be this guy.
0: Can can I just interrupt really quick and you say, have you've already? I think if you're if you're anywhere around church leadership, I, I've had conversations like this, and it's gone really different in different churches. Where I said, as a young guy, I said, I am trying to become an elder, and one of the signs that you're amongst good elder type dudes is when they go, "Good work, son! Like, mm-hmm. follow us. Let's go." a sign that you might be in a place that's not healthy is when they go, well, we don't need any elders right now. (laughs) Like we've already got, our board has got all seven and that's as many like, or whatever. We're running this. Be, be in a church community where when you say, I want to become an elder, they go, hallelujah.
1: Yes. That's great. Okay. This guy, verse two is to be above reproach and faithful to his wife. So we're gonna pause right there and say that there are examples very near me right now. There is a an old leader that I've known a long time, really respect this guy. We have used his insights here with Abraham's Wallet. He has been a pastor in Dayton, Ohio, about 45 minutes from where I'm sitting. And it came out, I found out in December, that this guy had had a sexual affair. What? This is a dude, this is a gray beard. I I would have said last year, I would have put this guy in that category, respected elder, he's been following the Lord a long time, so faithful, such a reproducer, a disciple maker. Holy cow. Well, suddenly, when we read faithful to his wife, and above reproach, suddenly like that, this guy's out of that category. He should not be leading anyone's life. I'm not gonna give him any any influence in my life. I have a bunch of friends that know this guy, and suddenly he's still a brother, still a brother. He's still really in need of help, and in need of community, and in need of love, and all of that stuff. But his ability to lead and oversee is gone, because he no longer uh, qualifies. So I just got to call that out. That's what the, that's what the passage said. Now these next couple are, are so important. It says temperate, self-controlled, and respectable. Temperate, self-controlled, respectable. I'm having so many conversations with guys right now about the importance of self-control in so many areas can you tell yourself no and there's a lot of ways to to, there's a lot of expressions of a lack of self-control for a guy but here it is that self-control has to be one of the hallmarks of this guy's life so i'm just asking i don't know your guy out there in kansas wherever you are i don't know your guy but I'm asking, do you find that he's temperate and self-controlled and respectable?
0: If a pastor is addicted to pornography, I think we all kind of go, okay, yeah, that's that's a lack of self-control, out, no. Uh, what yes. do you do? I don't know if this is true, but what do you do with the fact that if I had to finger in the wind guess the BMI of the average pastor in the Bible belt.
1: I thought that's of, where you were going. I thought you would interrupt with that question. A lot
0: of great men that I know that I mean they hit the Lubies on Sunday and they hit it hard. They they go like it's their job. And so their their body reflects their intemperance when it comes to food. Here is, here is an area where I think we, we can really quickly imagine that legalism thing coming in. And we can also imagine a scenario where we go, well, it's all just okay.
1: He's trying. Right. How do we straddle that? I don't have an answer. I'm going to elide. I think elide is a synonym for glide. And I think I'm going to elide right past that. I think we can simply call that out, that the way one controls one's body certainly is under the purview of self-control. But I'd like to ask you, Mark, as a Texas boy, I don't know if everyone's familiar with Luby's, the Luby's Cafeteria. I know that in different parts of the country, there there was once Furs, which is a disgusting name for any kind of... Yeah, but,
0: but accurate. I got to tell you, we knew in the Parrot household how the financial situation of the family was going because if things were were if, if mom and dad were flush in my young years yeah it was going to be lubies after church and if things were tight then we might be headed to furs where you could get the all you can eat unlimited returns trip to the cafeteria line i think it was two ninety nine. dollars it was
1: like- it was one price for everything in the line
0: Oh, yeah. And they had a little window that you could come back to and just say fried okra and they'd bring you a little bowl like and and when this is
1: like ponchos, the Mexican buffet.
0: Yeah. So it it was the two ninety nine. The only delicious thing at Furs, i I'll tell you, was the desserts. So Mark here would return to the small window. I don't know why I, I was allowed to do this. I assume it had something to do with kind of the marital strife that was going on amongst my parents. <laughs> but I was. That like, allows
1: for a, little, a longer leash on the kids. Coconut
0: cream pie on my first trip through. Uh-huh. Hit That's the cool. window for banana cream. Hit the window for apple pie. That was a normal trip to furs. And a lot of the The vegetables probably came from a can and had some fur that had to be scraped off.
1: But Exactly.
0: Yeah, lubies, you paid for what you you ate. Right. So that was like, oh, you got to
1: make some hard choices. Okay. I I wasn't even aware of furs, but you brought to mind ponchos, which is both giveth and taketh away. It's a mixed blessing at ponchos. Sopapillas is
0: what I think of when I think of ponchos.
1: Sopapillas is great because you know how many you can have? As many as you want. As many as you want. Do you know how many times you're going to return to the restroom after visiting ponchos? More than you want. <laughs> well, okay. Pour one out for Lubies. I remember the good times. Okay. Oh, yeah. I wanted to say this. Back to the old passage. I'm going to sit on one one little... There's so much to say here. It says hospitable. This is back to verse two. He's hospitable. That means he his house is open. They're, they're they like having people, they're willing to throw their arms around people in their home. Able to teach, you'll you'll notice that regular expository teaching is not one of the requirements of an elder, just able to. Could I can you explain something that you know from the scriptures? A principle of God? Can you can you teach on self-control? Okay, that's good. Verse three says, not given to drunkenness. We'll come back to that. Not violent, but gentle and not quarrelsome. So I wanna just sit on that, not violent, but gentle and not quarrelsome. And I'd like to reference uh, a name that many people in Christendom know. Mark Driscoll is a great example of a modern personality that is very successful at creating a little explosion of interest and curiosity. Men are drawn to him. I've heard a couple of teachings of his, and I would say the lion's share of the things that he teaches are true, that I've heard. However, let me refer you to the Bible, which says, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. And I would say, even in the things that I've heard him say, he gives away his character, even in public speaking, as being not gentle, but quarrelsome, And yes, even violent in the, you know, way that he talks. So I don't know if you have that kind of macho, create a wide berth because Mr. Mr. Today is coming through. I don't know if you have that near you exists in a lot of places because that character type, that personality type can really draw a crowd. And there's a lot of mega churches built around that personality type. It, however, disqualifies someone from having spiritual leadership. So, be on the watch anything else?
0: I would just say I feel like I'm being the the yin to your yang on this episode, but knock yourself out. Also, aware that a man who is leading a faithful local body to hold the line when it comes to God's word, one of the things he will inevitably be accused of is being quarrelsome and even violent when when people who hate God's word bump into him. So I've seen this where... He's
1: got a point there.
0: I've seen in my own kind of service as an elder of a local church that went sideways where they abandoned good theology. There was charges leveled against me. You're being quarrelsome and like, Why can't you respect that we all have different opinions on these clear-cut issues in in the Scripture? And so that's where I would say we just need wisdom and we need the Holy Spirit because there's times when it is altogether appropriate for a shepherd to take out the bat and, and knock some wolves out. And then there are other times where we can look at a guy and go, everywhere you go, you you split things in into pieces and you're an unsafe place for somebody to confess. You are a unloving person to brothers.
1: You know, so we just we need wisdom to navigate this. I I have I'm at the place in my life where seeing someone with a backbone, particularly somebody who is willing to stand against cultural norms for the sake of the truth is really has become a, an absolute necessity for me, for somebody that I'm going to spend time around. They, they have to, they have to call out the utter godlessness of our culture and be willing to take the pod shouts that will come because of that stand. So it's fair point.
0: Twitter is an excellent place if you want some violence that you're going to have to practice your discernment on. There's people on on that platform who are just known for their aggressive uh, tone and remarks. Yes. And I think about some of those people that I follow, I would need to spend some real time with this person if I was ever going to put them in sort of a position of authority in my life. Because what I see online is actually beneficial and I like the backbone, like you said, but I need to know if this is a quarrelsome person yeah. or if this is a shepherd.
1: Yeah, that's great. The last phrase in verse three says, not a lover of money. We would be, I don't think we need to make a lot of comments on that, but we would be quick to say, this doesn't mean that, they, that there's no wealth. We know, I'm thinking of somebody specific right now, Mark, you and I know somebody whose family is wealthy Their income is very high because of side businesses that they have. And this person is a pastor, and he's not disqualified because the love of money is the problem. The the greed thing, you know, it's often misquoted, you know, money is the root of all evils. It's not in the Bible. What it says is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So to be on one's on the watch out for greed is not only a good idea for you to do for yourself and for your leaders it's a biblical command to be on the watch out of all kinds of greed so the love of uh, the love of money is the problem and i would say one thing that i think we could assume would be in there is is your guy constantly extorting people, whether he's using fear tactics or telling you don't really love God, unless you give more and more and more to the church. And then he figures out a way to siphon some of that onto him. Or I've often seen that pastor's ego is so tied to the success of the organization that if the organization is treated lavishly, they get the same kind of strokes and it feeds their ego and their greed. So this, a fixation on getting your money out of you and having money for oneself is a massive red flag. Stay away. Verse 4 is a huge one. We've talked about this at length. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a in a manner worthy of full respect. There's a way that you could get your children to obey you that's not really worthy of respect. You can imagine what that might be like. I would just say just take a sober look at your at your church leaders. Take a sober look at the guy that calls yourself his pastor. Look at his look at his family. There's this passage is gonna go on at the end to talk about wives specifically, and the wives of these guys matter. So I'll just say. Are his children out of control with no limits put on them at all? Is the is the wife beat down? Is she neglected? Just look, just look. The, the question is, does he run his home and family well? You could even look at, we would say that you could look at his phys- the physical property of his house. Are there leaky pipes everywhere? Is it an utter wreck? Uh, that would be a sign to me something's wrong. Now, I'm not saying, oh, we found a a mouse at the pastor's house, so we gotta fire the guy. I'm just saying, the passage says, does he run and manage his own family well? Verse five goes on to say, if he doesn't know how to manage his own family, how could he possibly take care of God's church? There's three people beside me in my family. If I cannot manage and shepherd those three people well, what the heck do I think I'm going to do by taking on another hundred people to try to lead them? I don't honestly even know if that's possible. To try to shepherd a hundred people. But if there were uh, a big group of people that were looking to me for leadership and I had to, I had to teach them every week, something that we that we do here comes to mind. What business would I have doing that if, if my family was a wreck? So that this this these two verses right here disqualify all kinds of guys who, as Mark said at the beginning, I like the verb that he used, barbecue their own families for the sake of their ministry because they see their ministry as the really important thing
0: I'm curious what you think about the the guy who raises a a few kids who submit to him the household is peaceful and then they leave the home they grow up they're 30 years old and they say we don't follow Christ because I I see that get thrown up a lot guys who are kind of either being considered for an eldership role or are pastors and I've seen really different
1: answers to that question. Do you have an opinion. I have an opinion, and I have to caveat this by saying we are now wading out into opinion waters because you don't find a clear answer to this in scriptures. So I've just said that. I was going to say this about the disobedient children thing, and I think it's apropos. If you see a if you see somebody who who wants to be your pastor and you see that they have disobedient, unruly children, here's what you know about this guy. He is unwilling. To patiently and consistently put his foot down where there is error. Does it sound like that might be a problem for somebody that you want to have input into your life? If they're unwilling, at the cost of their own reputation, to consistently, patiently put their foot down when they see error. Would that be would that concern you, Mark? Yes. Yeah, it would concern me too. I am filled with so much confidence when I see a pastor with sweet, obedient children who are compliant to his leadership because I know he has dealt with their sin. I know that somebody who's going to have any influence in my life is going to probably deal with sin. Hello, they're dealing with me. They're they're dealing with a group of people where we live in the world. There's going to be things that we tend toward. I want them to be able to put their foot down. So the way that they deal with their children, uh, as we just read in verses four and five, is a reference point for how they're going to deal with us. Now I'll get back to your question. What you're telling me is if I am supposed to believe that this person led a family faithfully, I really trained up my children, I was very diligent in teaching the truth. However, when they got outside of my world, say they turned 20 and went to the University of Virginia and what do you know in 4 years that kid has decided to be an atheist and then the the people who love the guy back at the home church are going what is he responsible for the choices that his children have made how is that how is that fair i'm just going to posit that I want someone building into my life if I'm going to sit underneath teaching such that if I was underneath their leadership for, say, oh, 18 years, and then I went somewhere else for, oh, four years, and I abandoned the faith, I don't think they poured very good foundations. I think foundation laying is one of the jobs of being a parent. I am trying to, I am trying to world proof, my children, I'm trying to create a robust worldview for them. That includes things like being opposed by the world. That includes the suffering that will come by being an outcast. We're not, we're not, we're not watch out for this statement. Because it's going to blow your mind. If you're in like a popular modern mega church, we're not actually creating world beaters out there who are going to be influencers and change the world for Jesus. I don't see that anywhere. What we're trying to create are faithful disciples that will stay with the Lord under any circumstance. Faithfulness—that's what we're trying to develop, which which necessitates laying foundations of a worldview that can take any kind of any kind of shots. If the guy can't create that in, under his own roof, people who are with him—I don't know—forty hours a week, whatever it is. Do I think that he's going to do that for me and for my precious children when I'm with him an hour a week? I don't trust it personally. And I'll just say this also for just one more thing about the, how is he responsible for what his children do when they're 30 years old? There there are Old Testament curses that say that there's a responsibility that happens multi-generationally that you can't get away from. So I think there's precedent for having that for having that stance on on things. And I'm finished with my sermonette. And if you say, while they were under his roof, these people seemed to be Christian and they said that they follow the faith and then they left him and then they left the faith and we love him anyways. Well, that's your choice. That's just not where I stand on on the issue.
0: Yeah, I mostly agree with you. I think that there's... A big difference to between i've raised six kids and one of them is going through rebellion and i'm praying for their return and i've got five kids that are are following christ there's a big difference between that and all of my family has f- flown to the far corners of the spiritual earth the minute they were out from under my care and i think you know even looking at disciples of yours and mine that I I have the same take, which is some of them not following Christ anymore. Others following Christ and making more disciples. And yeah, I probably fall somewhere in between. It doesn't matter. And it's immediately super important disqualifying if any kid
1: of yours ever walks away. Fair. Okay. Just a little point on this. Number six says, verse six says, he must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall into the same judgment as the devil. My favorite example of this is of course, Daryl Strawberry. So Daryl Strawberry is born again. He is a coke, coke and sex fiend, world champion, baseball player. He's born again. And these churches can't fall over themselves more quickly to let's let him be the keynote speaker at our conference you know and so he's vaulted into this place of influence and leadership which he was the brand newest baby christian and it was not helpful to him i have a friend who tells me his story of he was born again he's a charismatic talented guy And within one year of being born again, having no parenting of any kind, no spiritual input, no pastoring, nobody teaching or discipling him, within a year of him being born again, he is handed the platform at his local church and told, you should be our worship leader because you can strum a guitar and people seem to like you. Bam. There he is. He was... he was on in a very precarious position for a long time because many times, dirty little secret here, the institution really doesn't care what's underneath the hood. They want you to look and perform well when the butts are in the seats. And if more butts get into the seats and more money is given when you're up there on the stage, they might ask you back on the stage, regardless of anything that we're describing here. So not a good thing to be a recent convert. He might become conceited. Yeah, he might have a very false sense of his own spiritual maturity because people are lauding him as having something, even though he doesn't. Verse seven, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Now, this passage is gonna go on and it's gonna talk about even servants, these deacons in the church, which is not a position of uh, honor, it is, the, these are the church janitors. These are the people who are picking up trash. These are the servants of the church who in the book of Acts, they waited on tables. They, they had like a cafe and these guys are like cleaning up after people and doing the dishes. And there's requirements on their lives there and there's requirements on their wives. So it's very interesting to me that the Bible goes out of its way to say, now that people who are serving anywhere near you, they should have these requirements on them. Well, I can speak from... Experience and tell you that in many churches they don't care if you love the Lord, if you hate God, how sexually active you are, or whether you claim your sexual perversion from rooftops. That's fine, but if you will brew coffee at six thirty on a Sunday morning, brother, we'd love to have you. That's not how First Timothy three represents uh, service in the church. But the last thing i would like to touch on, where we're running out of time, is that. Both in talking about the wives of any church servants, and as we saw talking about leaders, is this issue of not given to wine or or this. Wait, trans- bef-
0: before yeah. you go there, wives—they they have wives. That means you're <laughs> suggesting that they're they're
1: guys. Yes, we didn't mention that. Yeah, they're definitely guys. All right. So so this is real. This is really simple math. In God's economy, there's only one gender that's qualified to lead a family, and that would be a male. You have to be a male to lead a family. Those are part of the roles that God has described for men and women. One one is a leader, and one is a follower slash helper. So it would stand to reason, we just read verses four and five, if you've never uh, led a family before of of Two, three, five, seven people. How could you possibly lead a group of fifty or hundred? That you couldn't. You don't have the experience that qualifies you for that role. So, is that happy? You happy with that? Yep. Okay. I'd like to just touch on this. Not given to, not given to wine is one translation. The one I just read said temperate, not given to drunkenness. There it is. So that phrase appears twice in the New Testament. Both times as a qualification for an elder, one's what we just read, 1 Timothy three. The other one is Titus one seven. There are two words in the Greek that that we where we get that phrase. This one was translated not given to drunkenness, and it's an expression of denial. So the two words in the Greek are may, which means not, like like the circle with the slash not may does that and then the next word is paro paroinos paroinos and that is a combination word par means closeness to or in the vicinity of and the oinos is is a reference is wine fermented wine so not in the vicinity of fermented wine so the meaning is pretty simple an elder is not to not to be somebody who is regularly in the company of alcohol would be how you would translate that not given too much wine some are just simply saying not given to wine this one says not given to drunkenness and again the verb the verb there in the greek is not really about drunkenness it's about proximity to fermented drink so it, I, I think it's pretty safe to say it should not be the practice of an elder to linger around alcohol, that it's just part of his, hey, if you're around me, you're around alcohol. Now, I have been on church staffs before where I was famous for being the guy who said, you know, how, why is it every time our church staff gets together, every time our church has a celebration of any kind, there is always, I, I know what that word means, there is always beer and wine available. There's never an alternative. Like literally there was never a Coke for me to drink. There was water, there's beer, wine, alcohol. That's what was around. That's weird to me that that would be the flavor of a church. It's even weirder if, if you're going to hang out with the pastor, just expect there's going to be alcohol present because that's the flavor of his world. I would find that deeply concerning. Intoxication is, of course, absolutely barred scripturally, and it indicates severe spiritual immaturity. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4, 3, we have spent enough of our past lifetimes in doing the will of the Gentiles, the the godless, the pagans. And he's going to describe that. We walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. So Peter says, and under the purview of the things that are godless would be, yes, drunkenness, and even what he would call a drinking party. I think that probably fits underneath this proximity to alcohol thing. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go drinking. What? Why is that? why would that possibly be something that we're going to do so i'm sure that mark's going to represent the balancing of this and so i'm quick to say the bible does not forbid alcohol i grew up in a baptist environment where attempts were made to read that into the scripture they're not in the scripture a bar on alcohol however this kind of it's the flavor of the culture of your personality if you want to be around me this is what we're going to be doing that's a problem and you should watch out for it balances from the other side of the room
0: no i i agree with you i think i'm just thinking personally i i don't see any issue with a group of guys getting together for a whiskey tasting night i don't think that violates this agree i think if if the draw is we're going to to drink a bunch i mean i've got I've been at a midrash where I thought it'll be cool for having a bunch of guys. were sitting around our fire outside. It'll be cool to provide some really cool whiskeys for them to drink. Um, Common. And then I, at the end of the night went, two of those guys had six. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: that sucks. I'm never doing it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, personally, I would say this is one where I've, I have never been one to, I would say, be given to drunkenness. And I also have had times where when I look back, I go, well, that probably was just an expected part of any gathering we had was what cool drinks are the parrots going to provide. I don't know that it's like a super spiritual reason. I'll just say that the Lord has cut the amount of alcohol in our lives by a lot in in the last while so i think there's wisdom i really respect guys who just say kind of what you said which is i'm not forbidding it and it's also not for me i love me a glass of whiskey around a campfire so i'm not i'm not speaking as somebody who who forbids it or doesn't just like it but I also think it's super unbecoming when it becomes the draw that, right. like, even as you and I have done ministry at, at man camp, yeah. it's like there's always issues with alcohol always. in that setting, and it's it's harmful to the gospel <laughs> because some percentage of guys, when they're around alcohol, are going to make a bad choice, and yeah. It's just the the drug that's that's available and acceptable in our in our yep.
1: society. So, yep, be on your guard. Yep. So, in conclusion, one, I would repeat that the guy that stands up front is not the main shepherd, spiritual shepherd of your home. You are dad, you're the shepherd of the home. You're the one that decides how familiar are are we with the Bible? How much is that, you know, spiritual singing part of the culture of our home? You'll decide that. Some people are in the rare position of, they actually have a mentoring kind of relationship with the local pastor. They spend time with him and he has this direct shepherding influence on you. And by extension, your family, most of us, that's not the case. I can tell you that guy that runs the thing, he doesn't have much time for those kind of uh, relationships anyways. That's not what he's paid to do. But he is 100% an influencer in your life, especially if he's regularly opening up the Bible and then telling you what it means. That's a big, big deal. This person's worldview and attitude toward God and his word absolutely infect your home for good or for bad. So please watch out. And I told you more and more as the, as the end day approaches, please watch out. First John 4 says that we're to test, test, test those that are coming across our monitor. We, Mark and I are having a discussion this week about, oh, there's this podcast I love and I'm, to- I'm constantly recommending it. And Mark put a little flag up this week. There's something about this person that's concerning to me. Oh boy. So we immediately had to talk about that. Okay. I want to hear about it. And I'm asking other buddies of mine, Hey, what do you think? Mark's got a problem. Why am I interested? Well, because I am inviting influence into my life, to my worldview, to the way I see scripture into the world by these influencers. So test them. You really can be led astray. And the guy that stands up front and calls himself the pastor can do that to you. So we want to warn you, And ask you one final time, is your pastor qualified to lead you? Hey, if you liked this content, be sure to like it and subscribe and share it with somebody. And remember, no matter how you're doing in leading your family, God's love for you is huge. And His grace is... Planner! Planner!